Hey everyone, this is Matt Hardman, and welcome to the Race Nerd Podcast here on CKCC Radio. Um, check us out on all your social media platforms at CKCC Radio. Also check out on CKCC Radio, wherever you find your podcast, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, uh, Google, and I believe now, or very soon, we'll be on iHeartRadio. So check this show out along with many others. There's 10 shows total to cover all your nerd, um, all your, all your nerd, um, needs. Chris O'Mealy does many shows. Jeff Trelowitz, um, Jay Winger, Adrian Cotton, Dan Peck. Those are just a few of the podcasters that you will hear on there. Um, check out their shows. There's a little bit for everyone, whether it's ranking music or paranormal activities. Over Overly nerd, nerd stuff. Um, uh, ranking um, Disney characters. The wrestling wrestles, whatever you're into, CKCC Radio's got it for you. Um, anyway, we uh, we got kind of a loaded show here, um, but I first gotta ask a question. Okay, our pop quiz knows for the week. Everybody remembers the finish of the 2003 Dodge Dealers. 400 or 500, I forget which, um, that came down to that last lap, two-lap duel between uh, Kurt Busch and Ricky Craven, uh, one of the closest races in NASCAR history. But, but, do you remember who won the pole for that race? Um, answer coming up later in the show. Um, but right now we're not talking Darlington. We are talking um, NASCAR and IndyCar. Um, NASCAR raced at Atlanta, where we saw a full weekend, a uh, doubleheader on Saturday and a cup race on Sunday. Um, but before we get into um, the cup race, I just want to quickly touch on the Xfinity and the uh, trucks. So Grant Infinger win in the truck series, um, which is cool. Infinger's one of those guys I kind of I've been sleeping on him, and I know he's hella talented, uh, former ARCA champion, um, you know, and he's driving for Thor Sport uh, Racing there um, in the number ninety eight truck. But I, I've been kind of sleeping on him because I just didn't think he'd be one of those guys who'd be like, bam. You know, truck series uh, superstar, and, and and I and I got I got to give it to the devil is due. He is hella talented. Um, so, you know, props to him for that. And you know, I'm I'm actually, in a way, kind of hoping he makes me look foolish at the end of the season by picking up uh, a W. And that's something you don't see every day guy taking his pro stock down down the road. I think he was just trying to get it up and running. It was a uh, 
early 70s Camaro, if you heard that little pop 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 as I'm in the mobile studio. Um, anyway, uh, that was followed up by Noah Gregson um, picking up his third win of the season, I believe. Um, and this kid, this kid's got talent too. He's got talent now at the Wazoo. I wasn't a real fan of him when he first started running for KBM Motorsports. Then I got to see his personality. And he's he's a likable personality. He's not like um, some drivers, which just are bland as hell. Um, he he's got personality. He's got the talent. He's got the right team, um, and I think he could be a serious contender for that Xfinity Championship. Um, we don't have the big three this year like we did last year in Xfinity with uh, Christopher Bell, Tyler Reddick, and Cole Custer. All three of them are running for Rookie of the Year. Wookie of the Year. Um, they are running for Rookie of the Year in the Cup Series. And they're doing okay, but um, I think that this year you're going to see a lot of Gregson and Chase Briscoe. Um, expecting some surprises, you know, with lesser-known names. Um, I certainly would like to see Ryan Sieg, um, who's running a family-owned team, doesn't get a whole lot of support from any of the major teams. Um, I'm expecting him to be rather successful this year, so. Um, anyway, uh, we got the Cup Series race, which happened yesterday, uh, and, and there was a moment um, before the race where the drivers... Um, had actually pulled their cars down onto the track and then parked them. Um, parked them for um, a speech by um, by Steve Phelps, the president of NASCAR. Um, and I don't want to get really too too into it, as um, you know, it, it is a hot button topic right now, but. Um, what we have going on in America besides, not just America, but the world, but besides the corona effect, what we're seeing with these demonstrations and these protests um, over racial discrimination. Um, you know, we had that. We had Bubba Wallace before the race um, underneath his driver's suit uh, wearing a Black Lives Matter shirt. Which is a phrase that's just never really gone away after um, Michael Floyd and whatever. The, the groundswell was still there. Um, I'm just going to say, my, I, I don't have any thoughts because I don't personally like have any interaction, I guess, um, with a lot of the, the pieces and whatnot um, around the world. But I do believe, this is very simple, and it was something I learned a long time ago, a long, long time ago, um, is never base a person by their color, but by their content of their character. And those are words to really live by. Base a person not on their color or their gender or um, their ethnicity, but base it on their character. And that, that's a huge, huge thing. And I learned that a long, long time ago um, when I was a child. Um, and I think that 
that is something that needs to be instilled in everybody. Don't base it by what they look like or what color their skin is or whether they have um, dangly parts or not. You base it by who they are, who their personality is. Um, I know I have a lot of great friends of all different ethnicities, all different races, all different genders. Um, and I don't believe in, you know, basing that. And I think what we've seen um, has both been a, um, how should I say, a, um, a wake-up call to America. Um, a wake-up call that we shouldn't have needed, but unfortunately we do. Um, okay, away from that commentary, we actually had a race, um, which saw Kevin Harvick move into sole position of 12th place all time in the, uh, record books for wins in NASCAR's top series, picking up his 51st win in rather dominating fashion. Um, and, uh, it, it was, it was great to see Atlanta finally run. Um, we had, a a lot of cool stuff going on that race. You know, you get, you know, you had the Toyotas seem like they were finally getting their act together. Uh, three of the four, uh, Joe Gibbs cars, sorry I slipped on a name, I almost said Roush, uh, which, um, three of the, three of the four, um, Joe Gibbs cars finished in the top five, um, the one outside the bubble was, uh, Eric Jones. Um, after getting damaged while racing with um, Christopher Bell. So I'm sure that's going to be an awkward, uh, like, Toyota briefing as Bell is under contract to um, to both Toyota and Joe Gibbs Racing, um, just driven by satellite team, uh, Louisiana Family Racing. Um, I The, the Chevys were, were good. Um, but the Fords, uh, from Stuart Haas Racing, um, particularly, uh, Clint Boyer and Kevin Harvick were, um, above and beyond, and it wasn't an easy win for Kevin, although he did dominate almost half the race, um, his car wasn't that great to begin with, and once his pit crew and everything got that car all set, he, um, he was off to the races, uh, so to say, um, it was great. It was great seeing him. Not he. He didn't do the the traditional burnout, which I love because, to be honest, I'm one of those guys. I think the time of the burnout has come and gone. Uh, but really classy. He um, got to the took the checkered flag and on his cool down lap did the Polish victory lap. Uh, with three fingers thrust in the air um, to commemorate Dale Earnhardt. Um, for those of you don't remember, um, Harvick won his first race just three races after the passing of Dale Earnhardt. Um, was able to win at Atlanta. Took 17 years before he was able to do it a second time, and this being his third. 
um, it was special and especially seeing that Polish victory lap because um, that goes back to 1993 um, with Dale and Rusty um, doing um, Polish victory laps at Atlanta to celebrate um, the life and the memory of uh, 1992 champion um, Alan Kowicki and um, Davey Allison, both of them, who passed away in aviation accidents that same year. Um, I think that may be a Patreon episode, looking back at the 1993 season, because there were so many stories involved in that, um, that I can't encapsulate it um, in this episode, because we got a lot to talk about. Um, but it was great for that. It was great, not, not just seeing NASCAR, but IndyCar took to the track um, at Texas Motor Speedway. Um, I can't really speak on that because I didn't get a chance to watch it. I just got done working a ridiculous amount of hours um, this past week, and I tried to catch as much racing as I could um, between working and sleeping just to get back up and do it all again. Um, so... The IndyCar race, I didn't get to see much. Um, I saw little highlights. It looked very racy, very good. Um, I heard a lot of positive things about the aero screen, the new um, windshield-type screen, if you will, um, on the IndyCars that is mandatory this year. Um, NHRA had been doing it for a number of years now on their top fuel cars, and I, I know that there was a lot of... A lot of hemming and hawing when it came to IndyCar fans and some of the drivers. But um, from what I've heard, this has been, they've had a lot of praise for this. Um, so, um, Dixon, who's a perennial, always, always a, a top contender for the title. Um, starts off the season very well with, with the win. And also, also, um, moves is getting closer and closer to A.J. Foyt's record for wins in the IndyCar series, um, which which is huge. I mean, it, it's not it's not like uh, something unthinkable like Richard Petty's um, 200 wins in NASCAR, but um, anytime you get close to a record that A.J. Foyt uh, has set, you're you're making something of yourself. Um, Scott, who I kind of I kind of equate him to. Um, to a Jimmy Johnson. I mean, he's not super flashy, but damn, he could drive the wheels off a car. Um, and and I give him all the respect in the world for that. Um, anyway, we've got the next round of races. Um, we'll be seeing a lot more, and I know we're going to have an all-star race next month or July. Well, July is next month. I take that back. But we're going to have all that. Um... And we got, we got some uh, other stories to come up with. We actually had an unveiling for a, um, a throwback scheme. It was technically the second one to be released. But the first one ran at the very first Darlington race uh, when we started back racing. But we'll talk about that. We'll talk about um, some other stuff. Um, we're just going to take a quick one-second break. All right. Now I'm back. I just had to move my parking spot um and i didn't want to do that while recording um anyway so 
so we got other news coming out. Like I said, we have a unveiling um, of a, a Darlington paint scheme for Throwback Weekend, which is still going to happen the first week of September, unless something really changes. Um, as um, Clint Boyer will be racing the the peak antifreeze 14 car and will carry the colors of peak antifreeze's 1990 Pontiac design um, and uh, will uh, will be running that car um, based off of Kyle Petty's um, Sabco Pontiac uh, peak antifreeze entry which um, was the real breakout for Kyle Petty, I do believe. Um, him winning at Rockingham from the pole, collecting the huge Unical bonus. Um, his team owner, Felix Sabatis, said if he won the pole and the race, uh, Felix would get him a Rolls Royce, and Kyle Petty cashed in and got that Rolls Royce. So um, it, it's, it's a great paint scheme, very, very 90s-ish. Of the blue with the neon um, purple magenta whatever color so I think that's really awesome um, we also have a couple little tidbits that I've been seeing online um, they, and this is why I hate people who think that they're NASCAR insiders um, been hearing rumblings that um, drivers like uh, Ryan Priest and um, Bubba Wallace, who we talked about just a few moments ago, are on the hot seat with their prospective rides. Now, nothing from actual um, NASCAR insiders like uh, Adam Stern or Bob Hodgrass, but um, hearing that these that these two are coming, and these are from unsubstantiated sources in chat rooms. Um, a lot of people take you know seem to believe. That these rumors are true haven't heard anything um and and it would be a shame because i think uh priest who's in his second full season uh with um with jtg doherty and second full season in the cup series you know to push him out um it would be a little premature um you know if this was his third maybe fourth season with the team and he really hasn't done anything then that would be one thing. Um, Bubba Wallace is um, talented, extremely talented. Um, he ran very well um, from the East Series all the way up to um, a really good um, showing as a substitute driver for Eric Amarola when Amarola got injured uh, a couple of years ago at Kansas. Um, Bubba Wallace filled in for five or six races and did pretty well opened up a lot of eyes in that series so um i think you know it's just the fact that petty enterprise is kind of on a downturn and you know the moving to chevy's i think really hurt them um, both in the short term and well helped them out in the short term but in the long term really hasn't been the best option so um, we got that. Once again, I'm just going to take a quick break, um, but I will be right back. And we'll, then we'll talk about who Royce, who, 
Renee Gracie is and what she has, why she's making news. Um, news that has reached everywhere um, in her native Australia all the way to the New York Post. Um, we'll talk about that in a moment. Okay, I am back. And um, this segment, I just kind of wanted to talk about the news story that's been breaking. And, I mean, it's been news in Australia, hit the New York Post, got a little bit of coverage from, you know, different venues, whether it's, um, whether it's um, Barstool Sports. Oh, I can't believe I'm uh, kind of blanked on that. Um, but... It's the story of Renee Gracie. Um, Renee is a former um, driver in the V8 Supercar Series out of Australia. Um, she ran um, in their feeder series for a couple of seasons, but made her debut in 2015 as part of a two-car, um, a two-driver a team for the uh, Bathurst uh, 1000, which is the V8 Supercars equivalent of um, Daytona or Indianapolis. Um, she ran a, a car with co-driver Simona Di Silvestra, uh, the former IndyCar driver. Um, the two of them would run the first female uh, car, a female driven car um, since 1998. Um, it, it, you know, and when this all came about, uh, driver Dan Reynolds referred to the car controversially as the Pussy Wagon, um, which landed him in hot water. Um, V8 supercar legend uh, Dick Johnson had said that the car wouldn't finish and that the girls were inferior, um, which Gracie then, at the time, pointed out that Dick Johnson's history at Bathurst was not as stellar as he likes to think, um, he, him himself being involved in many wrecks. Well, anyway, um, Gracie would run this race again in 2016 with better results um, as a teammate to uh, De Silvestra, but eventually would lose um, her ride due to sponsorship woes and all. Um, but she, in um, just in the past couple weeks, had made a um, a changing career. And we're not talking like a normal changing career like some drivers do, um, like Hutch Strickland, uh, former Cup driver, runs a. Um, runs a junkyard. Um, Rusty Wallace moves into uh, the radio broadcasting booths. You know, Jeff Gordon and Daryl Waltrip moved into the TV. Uh, then you got um, former East Series champion Dylan Kwesneski who, who, um, run, who works for a real estate firm. Um, and uh, 2012 Truck Series champion James Busher also works in real estate. Not for the same firm, but uh, he works in real estate as well. So, uh, other drivers, you know, once their careers are over, move into different things in their life. 
Well, Gracie um, had moved into uh, the world of adult entertainment, um, starting a subscription service on um, OnlyFans.com, where uh, she, the first week that she had started this, she had made $3,000 in, in, quote, makes $25,000 a year. Uh, or $25,000 a month. Alright, let me recorrect that. $25,000 a month selling um, subscription uh, photos and videos um, of the adult nature. But certainly the NSFW crowd right there. Um, she is, she's done this. And this is... The, the stories that have come out about this, you know, her being a former racer and has gone on to this, um, have been, have been absolutely insane. This story has been picked up everywhere. Um, but this isn't like, um, WWE star or retired star Paige where her, um, private photos and videos were leaked out onto the internet, um, or a, um, or a Charlotte Flair. Renee Gracie went the whole Tammy Lynn sitch and had actually started selling porn pictures and videos for money. Um, and she said that her racing career is behind her and that um, she has no regrets and anybody who doesn't like it can basically screw off. Um, not shy, is she? But she, um, here's, you know, I'm, I'm all for, hey, you know what? She wants to make money, that's her issue. But here is where I, I see where the sensationalism and where this can get a little crazy, um, especially in the world we live in now. Um, Gracie was one of those drivers who was up and coming, and, you know, especially if you've seen her on social media, I really don't follow her, um, but, you know, I've, I've seen some of the Instagram posts. Um, obviously, you know, she could make a lot of money. Um, in this, you know, in her, whatever her, um, her new career path is. But, you know, being an up-and-coming driver, especially in the world where we're trying to get, you know, more female, um, drivers out there, um, you know, in drivers who don't have to, um, who really rely on, you know, their, their abilities more than the old-fashioned, Tits over talent idea. Um, we've seen we've seen a couple of drivers come through who have all the looks, all the marketability in the world, uh, both male and female, fall flat on their face. Um, you know, most notably, I, I can't I can't bury Danica on this. I can't bury Danica Patrick. Um, although Danica used her her feminine wiles, I guess, in some ways to, um, to, you know, to not secure sponsors, but to, you know, 
do stuff for them. How who can forget the uh, the GoDaddy commercials with Danica, you know, in a bikini and whatnot. Um, her infamous Maxim magazine um, photos uh, with her in a bikini over classic cars. And this was way prior to her making her IndyCar debut, I believe. This was 2001. Um, 2001 or so. Uh, it has to have been. Um, I don't. I don't know. I don't recall. I recall seeing the magazine at a at a gas station in just outside Galax, Tennessee, as we were heading to a race at Bristol. Um, I remember seeing that there as we were just right uh, right next to the the truck stop in a hotel in Virginia. Anyway, um, you have drivers um, who, who've been up and coming, who've been successful, who haven't had to use theirs. Like the Force uh, girls, Ashley, Brittany, and Courtney. Um, we talked about Courtney in the last episode, you know, um, now having, having a child. I, granted, they've had their name, so they, the, the force name, so they've kind of had that sponsorship, but there's other drivers, like Hillary Will, or Sarah Fisher, um, who are making, were making waves, um, unfortunately for Sarah, her career, I think, kind of ended prematurely due to, um, sponsorship, but was able to convert that into a successful, um, career as an owner, um, before uh, selling her team to Ed Carpenter, uh, another driver owner, um, you had you you have her. You've had Sarah, uh, not Sarah Guthrie, uh, Janet Guthrie, who broke down the doors for women, becoming the first woman to ever compete in the Coke 600 and um, attempt the Indianapolis 500 back in the 70s. You've had. Um, many drivers throughout history, Louise Smith, Sarah Christensen, um, in the infancy of NASCAR, you had, uh, McKenna Hayes, who won the, um, who won at Knoxville in the, in the Knoxville Nationals. You've had all these other drivers who are just full of talent, um, who never really had to use that. And I think, you know, it, it, granted, you know, being a female and trying to get into a male-dominated sport is um, it's a huge undertaking. Um, some that are some are not ready for others who um, really flounder in that extra spotlight. I mean, Danica certainly knew how to make a name for herself, but her um, her IndyCar career um, is hit or miss. Um, Yes, she became the first female to ever lead laps at the Indianapolis 500. And at one point, it looked like she was going to win the Indianapolis 500. But I think what overshadows that are her temper tantrums and the pressure of being put on her. And certainly, that was the issue with her in her um, uh, flailing NASCAR career. Um, she showed a little bit of promise. Part of it is the fact that she was rushed up through the ranks too soon. Um, did not really get the the seat time in the lower series. Um, had she run ARCA prior to running for Dale Jr. and his um, 
and his Xfinity team, I think we may have seen a little more patience out of her. Um, but once um, GoDaddy left, I think that's when everything kind of went downhill with her career. Um, for what it was, I think the biggest thing was losing them and the whole Nature's Bakery fiasco, which... Um, once again, I think I'm going to save that for a Patreon where we talk about um, that whole thing and other um, flailing sponsorships that, uh, that have kind of derailed careers. Um, but getting back to Gracie, um, just her moving into this, I think it casts a, um, a cloud over female drivers. Um, you know, what's good for her is certainly not going to be good for... Um, other female drivers coming up, like uh, Natalie Decker, who I really don't have a whole lot of good things to say about her because she is a crash machine, and um, I, I I don't see the emphasis put on her. Um, Angela Rush, who does a better job, but is uh, one of those Barbie dolls who's just out there. Um, she has had some good runs, but I think everything with her has just been undone but with her and her husband on social media. Um, and I think, you know, her angling to really promote her uh, reality series um, more than her career is a joke. Um, we've had Aaron Crocker, who I think up until this Gracie story may have been the biggest black eye when it comes to, you know, females trying to race, um, the scandal that involved her. And I, I think... I. Th I think the world of Aaron as a driver, because she was one of the first females to snatch a victory in um, in the Knoxville Nationals, um, was a very accomplished uh, sprint car driver, uh, ran in the world of outlaws, um, picked up some wins in the world of outlaws, um, was brought in by, um, through knowing Casey Kane through his world of outlaw days, you know, um, but ended up getting involved in a relationship with her owner, um, Ray Evernham, which, you know, was a whole huge thing, especially if you go back and look at the timeline of Jeremy Mayfield, um, leaving the team and, um, his accusations that he was spending more time, uh, with Aaron on a personal level than running the team. It just kind of left a lot of people sour grapes and, you know, and I know, I'm sure there's some truth to it. Um, but most, most fans will never know. Um, but I think that, uh, she, um, I think she was an accomplished driver. Unfortunately, that kind of got caught by the wayside that, and she just never really, I don't think she adjusted to asphalt racing really well, uh, at first, um, after her failed, uh, truck series run, um, she would, um, stay with Everham and run the Arca series where she had quite a bit of strong finishes in that series. I think um, had she run a full season of ARCA before being rushed up through the ranks, which is another thing about female drivers. They, they, these sponsors and some of these teams like to really rush them up before they're ready. Um, but I think getting back to the main point that Gracie's situation, while it shows that, you know, some drivers don't make millions, like in her case, she didn't make 
anything in her career. Um, never really advanced. And she had to do something with her, with her life. Um, choosing this, I think, you know, casts a little bit of a black eye on females trying to break into racing, especially young girls. Um, knowing that, you know, selling yourself online um, is not not the right thing. And like like I said, I mean, this isn't like a, oops, I've personal photos um, that shouldn't be shared. You know, got leaked out onto the internet. But um, knowing knowing this and doing this uh, is just kind of, you know. You've gone in the, as I said, Tammy Sitch territory, the um, um, the famous um, wrestler uh, known as Tammy Sitch or Sonny, um, who at one point was the most downloaded woman in the world, according to AOL in the 90s, uh, you know, has had to go on and do these um, type of videos online um, and sell them to fans. Um, but... Anyway, on a, on a good note, I will leave you with a question, um, an answer for today's question, and that is um, the 2003 Darlington race, which saw the epic finish between Ricky Craven and Kurt Busch. Um, that is one of the most talked about finishes in NASCAR history. Um, the pole winner for that race did not factor into the finish, but the pole winner is um, Elliot Sadler, who at the time was in his first season with, um, with um, Robert Gates Racing. I'm drawing a blank. I apologize. Um, he would later go on to win that season. And I believe that Texas would pick up his first win. Um, and he would finish his career with, with a handful of wins, um, all with... Um, Robert Yates Racing, and he would be the driver that would replace the aforementioned uh, Jeremy Mayfield over at Everham Racing. Just an interesting little tidbit with that. And would probably run one of my favorite cars of the 2000s, and that was the number 19 Best Buy Dodge. Um, certainly one I, I enjoy. Um, I still have uh, a, an actual pit crew a uniform top from that team along with a pit crew hat a couple of pit crew hats but that is certainly one of my favorite um, cars of that time period so uh, Elliot Sadler was our answer um, next week um, we have Homestead I, Homestead then we got a, a Martin well we got Martinsville under the lights and we get on Wednesday then we got Homestead coming this weekend. So we're going to have a double shot um, next week. We're going to have uh, two race weekends in one combined. Um, this will be the first time Martinsville will be run under the lights and be run in prime time. Uh, so that's something that's going to be huge and historic. Um, I believe that they were planning on running the lights later on in the season. But you know, due to um, the pandemic... Um, the never-ending story called the COVID-19. We'll be seeing um, those lights turned on earlier than initially expected at the beginning of the year. So uh, with that said, I'm Matt Hardman. This is the Race Nerd Podcast. Until next time, um, 
virtually see you at the track. All right, bye.